welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today I'm looking at a verse in Revelation that seems to indicate there will be no sea in the new earth. Will heaven or the new earth have oceans? Here's my take. I wrote about this topic in 2009 and updated it a bit in 2015. And I'm taking on the topic again here in 2021. It's a topic near and dear to me because I do love the ocean. Now, I'm not a trained theologian. There are many people who have interpreted the verses I'm going to share in different ways. So I can't be dogmatic, but I do have a settled confidence. Hopefully you will see why by the end. There's one particular verse before we get going that I hinge this on. If God placed a sand as a boundary for the sea, an eternal decree, so it cannot pass over it, as the verse goes, then I need to understand that if there's no sea, what does eternal mean? Or even a decree. Plus, I have many other reasons why I believe interpreting the text to mean there will be an ocean, but not a sea. Stick with me. Revelation 21.1 says, The new heaven and earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. Now this verse disappoints many people, including myself. I love the sea, and I hope that Jesus is preparing me a place near it. Many people can't conceive of a world without the oceans and their tides, waves, ships, and magnificent animals. Somebody recently asked me about this, and I agreed it was a disappointment that the scriptures seemed to say that after the old earth passes away and the new earth is made, that oceans will be no more. But I started thinking and remembered also that the sea is a biblical symbol for heaving, undulating, rippling, discontented peoples. Scripture interprets scripture. So here is one way that sea is defined for us. Isaiah 57, 20. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet and its waters toss up refuse and mud. There's a support text in the Bible that reinforces the notion that the wicked are like the sea. Jude 1, 11 to 13. Now in context, Jude there is talking about false teachers, the ungodly, unsaved grumblers who are taking advantage of brethren in order to gain an advantage for themselves. In other words, the wicked. Here's the verse. There are hidden reefs at your love feasts. As they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted 
wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame. Wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Did you catch that? Wild waves of the sea. The wicked. The word sea is also used in Revelation 13.1. This is the reference to the beast that rises from the sea. Is the Antichrist actually a beast actually rising from the sea as an ocean? Or are they symbolic? Pulpit commentary says of 13.21 in Revelation, the sea again is the type of instability, confusion, and commotion, frequently signifying the ungovernable nations of the earth in opposition to the church of God. I believe the reference to the sea in Revelation 21.1, where it says the sea shall be no more, is likely a symbolic reference, just as it was in the other Revelation verses and in Jude and in Isaiah. There's another interpretation of the word sea, besides being an actual ocean or standing symbolically for the wicked of the earth, and that it's a reference to the sea as the name for the bronze laver in the temple. Here's 1 Kings 7.23. Then he made the sea of cast metal. It was round, 10 cubits from brim to brim, and five cubits high, and a line of 30 cubits measured its circumference. That same sea is referenced in 2 Chronicles 4.2, Jeremiah 52.17, and 2 Kings 16.17. So in the Revelation 21 verse, where it says there shall be no more sea, it could mean that as in Isaiah's symbolism, for no more wicked, or first kings, that there's no need for a laver or a sea because there's no longer any need to sacrifice and clean up. There's no need to wash before sacrificing since Jesus washed us all. And at that point, there are no more wicked people. We're all clean by then. A third reason I believe there will be a sea is this. If God created a sea and its animals on the third day and declared it good, and also created the land and their animals and declared them good, then why would he abandon the sea at the renewal of the earth, but not the land? Does that mean the sea is not good at that point? He keeps monkeys, but deletes the whales? God is not inconsistent. It just sort of doesn't make sense to renew the entire earth, but not the sea. It was all good at one point. A smaller piece of reasoning in Revelation 10, 4 to 6, we read of the angel standing on the sea and on the land, and he swore by the sea and by the land that there would be no more delay in rendering judgment and that the mystery of God would be fulfilled. A promise from heaven made by the angel swearing an oath on the sea and land is serious. I highly doubt God would allow an oath to be made 
with the C as a witness and then later delete the C. In still more reasons, Jesus said in Matthew 19, 28, I tell you the truth at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, the word for renewal in that verse is palegenesia, from paleg and genesis, used twice in the New Testament. It refers to the renewal of all creation, all creation except the sea, the, finally, the sea's boundary is eternal. Jeremiah 5.22 says, and this is what I referenced at the opening of this podcast, do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble in my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea, an eternal decree. So it cannot pass over it. Though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet cannot cross over it. There exists a decree from the lips of God who said it will stand for all eternity. And that decree is that there is a sea-sand boundary over which the sea will never cross. For this decree to be in force eternally, there must always be sand and sea. There are support texts in the Bible that reinforce the notion that there is an eternal decree. Like Job 38, 8-11. Or who enclosed the sea with doors? When bursting forth it went out from the womb? When I made a cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? And I placed boundaries on it and set a bolt and doors. And I said, thus far you shall come, but no farther. And here shall your proud waves stop. Psalm 104.9. You set a boundary they may not pass over, so they will not return to cover the earth. They referring to the waves of the sea covering the earth, referring to the flood. Proverbs 8, 29. When he set the sea for its boundary so that the water would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, and so on. So, hmm. Matthew Henry's commentary explains thus. The new heaven and the new earth will not be separate from each other. The earth of the saints, their glorified bodies, will be heavenly. The old world, with all its troubles and tumults, will have passed away. There will be no sea. This represents freedom from conflicting passions, temptations, troubles, changes, and alarms from whatever can divide or interrupt the communion of the saints. So my conclusion based on those scriptures shared in this podcast is that when John declares, and there was no longer any sea, 
it could be that if we substitute Isaiah's definition for the sea or the laver being the sea and rely on the promise of the renewal of all things, and we know that there's an eternal decree for a sea sand boundary and that an oath was sworn on the land and the sea, then I propose that in the new earth, there will be an ocean, maybe not a sea, but I propose there will be an ocean. Hallelujah. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada, and I hope you have a wonderful day.